And now, our feature presentation. The best in the world is right here, right now. Whether you like it or don't like it, pal, learn to love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. Let's get ready to rumble! the greatest wrestling program in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Stop what you're doing and listen. It's the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Frazier, DKM, and Jcap. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal, and with me are these two handsome dudes. I'm talking about DKM and the former NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, Kevin Frazier. Welcome to the show, fellas. What's going on? Give y'all a quick smolder. There it is. I see uh, we've got a full house already. I want to say what's up to Willie. Glad to see you here, buddy. Will the Goblins in the house, Terry McDermott, Jimmy in the LB. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us. This is We do this every Thursday now. This is the post-post unofficial NWA Power Show where we're going to talk about our legitimate feelings on NWA <laughs> Power. Um, we are NWA fans. If you don't know the backgrounds, DKM is an NWA historian. He's been following the brand since what, 1986? DK, earlier? Oh, uh, 81, seriously. And then I know things from back in the 50s and 60s. And then, of course. Kevin co- knows more senseless, you wouldn't know it facts about the NWA than probably the, our entire listening audience combined. And of course, Kevin Frazier, formerly known as Kevin Douglas, the modern day hero, mind you, trained by Rodney and Jazz, captured the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, one of the best. Defended that title from Held coast it to coast. Over a year. Held it over a year, absolutely. And he's also here on the show. And he, the, the NWA legacy runs through his veins. He is very much NWA's. Is everybody else that we talk so highly of? So, Kevin, what do you want to say? Um, I, I'm I'm pretty I'm excited to actually have the show tonight because we got such good feedback last week for hey. for our um, raw, unfiltered yet honest um, review. Of the show, I mean, I, I think I think we were critical in some lights, but I also think that it was just an honest observation, and I think that that doesn't mean we hate the NWA or we're we're not fans, because if we weren't, why would we be doing this on a Thursday night? Um, if, we, if we didn't like doing it, if we didn't like the NWA, why would we be subscribed to the show? Um, you know, it, it's just sometimes you just got to be. 
you just got to be honest. And um, and I think there were a lot of expectations, positive expectations and hope uh, going into this show or going into power. And, and I, I think that now that we're paying on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis, you know, the, the bar's been raised and there's nothing wrong with it having, with expecting what you pay for. And in my background with the NWA is I've been covering the National Wrestling Alliance for well over 12 years now. Alliance-Wrestling.com is my pride and joy. It's my fourth child. And uh, over the course of the last 12 years, I've talked to many champions, many promoters, and many names within the National Wrestling Alliance that span like three different ownership groups. And uh, I, I really do love the NWA. I want nothing but the best for the NWA. And I'm here to promote and hype up the NWA because... I want to see it succeed. And and, and although I, I would be foolish to say my legacy is tied to any way to the NWA, um, I felt like the last 12 years has been an effort to get to this point right here where we talk about the NWA in a way that we haven't been able to talk about in a very long time. So we're here, guys. We're here to pump it up. We're here to, to highlight the positives, but we're also going to give you the negatives. And without any further ado, NWA Power episode number 24. 24 in the series, guys. This is the third episode of the... What, are we on season four, DK? Is this season four? Season four, yeah. We're on uh, the third episode of season four as uh, as it progresses through. Um, subscribed on Fight TV. It's four ninety nine a month. Uh, there's three episodes. We were told last week by Joe Galley that uh, we'll uh, receive next week. I guess it's a power surge or what is it? Power surge or, or, or superpower? Um, in the past, superpower was kind of like a. Uh, if you're if you're gonna try to remember Jim Crockett promotions, it was similar to like a Clash of the Titans, but they never really got it to execute it the way they think they wanted to. Um, of course, the first superpower episode was preempted uh, to coincide with the, the global pandemic, and when we got it, it was a watered down version in May of 2020. So. Uh, we are getting our second episode of Power Surge or, you know, the bonus episode, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but this episode had some some good things and some bad things. And, uh, you know, first of all, we got two tag team wrestling matches. Uh, over the course of our three weeks of doing this, we have said that the NWA needed more tag teams. And tonight or Tuesday night, we, we got some more tag teams. And the first match that we got was... Strictly Business, the new pairing where officially Chris Adonis is now a member, the national champion, now a member of Strictly Business, taking on the newcomers, The End, which was the returning Paro, teaming with his All Japan Pro Wrestling tag team partner, Odinson. Uh, Kevin, what were your thoughts immediately with, with these two gentlemen? Well, I'm always excited and I can see uh, Tom Latimer get out there and put the boots to somebody. Um, so I was happy to see that. I think, uh, you know, Chris Adonis and him as a team is a formidable team, though somewhat thrown together. And having really not seen Paro and Odinson um, on this kind of stage, really, uh, you know, a, a televised kind of studio situation. I've seen some of their um, some of their matches before, so it's not like I'm unfamiliar with them. So I was really, I was really. This was you know my kind of match. 
Uh, you know, you have two big heavyweight teams going at it, and you know, I, it, it, it you know, okay, I was very impressed with Odinson. Always impressed with uh, Latimer, which I think down the road I'd love to see just that match. Yeah, uh, I had high, I had high expectations for Caparo after what I saw when he wrestled. Um, Alex, what's the guy's name he wrestled? Alexander Conan? The, the blonde Clearwater. guy. Clearwater. Clearwater. There, yeah, I don't know where I got Alexander from. but um, <clears throat> So, I was I was eager to see how him and Odinson were together. And Paro, to me, really was like a dud. It was like a firecracker that you lit and you're expecting to see an explosion, and it just uh, I knew what I was getting from uh, from Adonis, and I knew what I was getting from uh, from Latimer. But Paro, I, I I don't want to. You're a big old dude. You beat the crap out of uh, out of uh, the, the kid, and then you get in there with two grown men, and all of a sudden you get soft. And I thought that was a little disappointing. When Odinson came in, uh, totally different. Uh, definitely extremely dynamic, very athletic. Um, very, in, you know, I, I like stiff wrestling, so, um, so I really liked seeing him in there. But when you come, when it comes down to the, what we would say maybe in wrestling, look, oh, I'm the only guy on there right now. Um, when it comes down to the structuring of the match, I, 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 there was a little bit of a head scratcher stuff for me because there were some moments where you know you had a hot tag from the from the uh, from the end. They come in, they're beating everybody up, and then two seconds later, you have um, you have all of a sudden you have Matt, you have uh, Adonis and. Latimer take over and kind of just no sell the whole hot tag. So there were some of those things in the match. The, the finish was, eesh. I just, you know, me and Devin were talking off air about a match we watched uh, over the last, a match we both saw over the last day. And, you know, sometimes it's all right, like just to go out there, let the big dudes beat each other, just beat each other up, have a real basic story and have a real basic finish. They could have they could have got those guys over clean without having to go through all the stuff to make it look hokey um, and take some of the believability out of it. So uh, my expectations were a little bit under. I was a little underwhelmed by it, and I really didn't feel like honestly you needed a finish for this match because it had been good for both of these teams to come out strong. DK, for those of you that. But I think I'm looking distracted. I got two big dogs in here. I don't know who let them in, but they're in here. Who let the so dogs in? Exactly. Who let them in? Everybody say hi to the Hoss and the Beacons. Anyway, on to the match since Jay decided to completely skip over the World Tag Team Champion interview at the beginning of the show. I didn't. Okay, we'll get back to that. <laughs> you know, if I don't poke fun at Jay during the show, it's not a real show for me. And, uh, the match. Established tag team, newly put together tag team. 
four really big guys. Okay, these are the type of things that I like. Uh, pretty physical. Uh, first complaint. We're making the ref look stupid again. He's standing in the corner. He's not counting. He's telling people to get out of the ring, but not doing anything. They can't do anything because if he counts and tries to enforce it, you're going to blow the show. Uh, professional wrestling, that assumes a level of professionalism here. Guys, get your double teams in and count a five. Now, you'll always get a few extra seconds as the refs tell you to get out and move you and stuff like that. But two guys shouldn't be in there for more than 10 seconds doing a double team. And it should, and it should certainly, you know, the refs certainly should not be put in a position to look like an idiot. That's why I'm a strong believer in the fact that refs should be shooters. And then you yell at the guys if they screw it up. That, even WWE does that. And so that was my first big complaint. Uh, I'm with Kevin. I didn't understand why a guy who they made look like a monster just two weeks ago suddenly seemed to be the face in peril. And also, back to the heel-face dynamic, the guy who was kind of the heel two weeks ago as the monster is now supposed to be the sympathetic face. And he's probably the heaviest guy in the ring. It, it, it didn't connect for me. And then... Uh, the big positive out of this for me was Osin. I had not seen him before. I had not seen them as a team before. So this was a first for me. And I was impressed with him. I, I think, I think he has potential to go places, either in the tag team or even singles. I don't know if he can talk or not, but you know, if he can't, that's the managers are for. So I don't know, Dave. What do you think of the match? So I really thought this was um, going into it. I had very high expectations. Now I watched this match twice because, and my first take was, why did you ruin a perfectly good tag team? Because one thing that we know for certain that the NWA is lacking its weakest link is its tag team division. I mean, you can make the case that uh, that they're starting to build up some competitors, some challengers for Nick Aldis. And in the way, they're also kind of building up some challengers for... Um, they're also building up challengers for the, the TV title. And, you know, we just had the new national champion crowned. Thunder Rosa can bring in all the women she wants from w, or from Mission Pro. But that tag team, that tag team roster looks so thin. And the first thing you do is you bring out an established tag team that's made their name all over... Uh, all over the world. I mean, they, they wrestled for All Japan Pro Wrestling and were dominant. They weren't there to go do the job. They were there getting the job done. And then you go and you bring in... Uh, uh, they, they Excuse me. They were also wrestling for Evolve. And again, getting the job done. They're an established tag team. So you bring them in to lose to a, a, a first-time pairing. That doesn't sit well with me. And I know, like, okay, there's storyline that we don't know, and this is week three of an expanding universe with more stories to be told and more situations to happen. Ultimately, though, what I don't care for 
is bringing in an established tag team just to throw them to the throw them to the wolves. Um, on second watching, I I, I kind of put Kevin in my ear, and I start thinking about how dominant, how just how violent Tom Latimer is, and it made me feel like okay, you know what? Okay, you know I may maybe Tom Latimer's a beast, and we all know that. So let's look at this a little bit differently. Paro is a beast, but so is Tom Latimer. We've seen Tom Latimer go toe-to-toe with many guys on the roster, and he's established as a former tag team champion. So, okay, Tom Latimer is a beast. All right, I'm good. And then I start thinking about um, Chris Adonis. Now, I'm not the biggest Chris Masterpiece fan, but he is the NWA national champion. They brought him in with a mean streak. He's He, he, he really had a slobber knocker with uh, with uh, uh, Trevor Murdoch. And they put him in an effort where he's a mean, bad dude. So when he goes out there, he's going to be sh- he's going to take the shorthand, he's going to cheat, he's going to find a way to win, he's going to find a way to get an advantage. So at the very least they were true to that tag team. So when they put him in against an established brute of a tag team, I can kind of see it now. When I first watched it, I was pissed. When I watched it again, I'm feeling a little bit better about it. Now, I still think there's opportunity for Odinson, and I still think there's opportunity for Paro. I certainly feel like Paro did look a little meeker in this match, and maybe that's because his partner was there and he had someone to rely on. Or maybe it's because you put him next to the Tasmanian devil of the NWA in Tom Latimer, and and he isn't as big as bad as we thought he was. He was big and bad when he was beating up um, Jordan Clearwater. But he's not big and bad when it comes to Tom Latimer, who's an equalizer, right? So, my my opinion kind of changed on that, and and believe me, some of the you know I, I've talked to some of you guys offline, and I was pissed with this result of this match. But on second second digestion, I feel a little bit better about this match than I did the other tag match. Um, so so this one gets a passing grade for me. It's not my favorite. I'd like to see more of Odinson. I'd like to see more of Paro. Um, to answer somebody's comment, Hammerstone still looks more like Thor than Odinson, but I really do like the tag team the end, and I hope that's not the end of the end. I hope we see them again. Um, okay, now I, I want to tell you why Jay's wrong. Go, go ahead, DK. Go ahead. I, I want to kind of camp here for just a little bit longer before we move on because I know once we get to the next part, it's going to be what it is. But I, 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 I actually like what you're saying, Jay. So. DK, say what you got to say. It's, I want to camp here just a little bit. Uh, I mean, look, I understand Jay putting on the rose-colored glasses, and if you want to look at it like that, fine. Uh, it was bad booking, okay? It, it just was. This is a show that was supposed to focus on your tag teams. You have an established tag team, and they're taking on a thrown-together tag team. I mean, you used to complain about this in the first season when they do that, that the when thrown together tag teams would look as good as a tag team against an established one. And you've got to be careful. We kind of know some of the things are going on. And while some people are like, oh, strictly business needs to control all the titles. No, that's really bad if they do. Yeah. And... So, at this point, you already got Masters as the national champion. Latimer was talking about the TV title. Keep them out of the freaking tag team division. 
but now you've just dropped out one of your uh, an, an established tag team to them. Now, the question I have for you guys, and I'm going to answer, I'm going to get my answer first, and I'll let you guys get into it, is how much does Camille's coming out being a distraction factor in for you on how it ended? Uh, for me, it doesn't. It shouldn't have, it still shouldn't have changed the outcome that the other team should have won. Her distraction was more set up her interactions with Thunder Rosa at the end, which we can talk about after we're doing the tag team because I actually had a problem with that too. And I, I didn't buy it and I didn't like it. So, Kevin? Okay. First of all, before I go into this, I forgot to say to everybody, I'm really happy to be here. I'm glad to be hanging out with you guys tonight. Pretty pumped up. Thursday nights have become a thing. So all the guys in the chat room, more girls if there's any in there. Glad to see y'all. Glad to be here. Love you guys. I'll probably say it again because I'm feeling good tonight. Um, okay. I wanted to make a really, a really astute observation here. There was zero lack of talent on the show tonight. On the show that we're talking about. Like, like, this show was stacked with talent. Like, like the, just think about the names that we're going to, let's just rattle off some names. Yeah, Aaron Stevens, Kratos, Big Aldis came out, Camille, Thomas Latimer, Chris Masters, The End, both of those guys. Yeah, Jack Stane, you had Crimson. I don't know where, why Slide Boogie and his boy was on there, but moving right along, you had... Our main event with uh, Rosser, and you had uh, a boy, uh, Hope. You had um, Melina come out. You had Thunder Rosa come out. You had the uh, Taylor, Karen Terrell. You Terrell. had the Velvet yeah, Sky. You had Tim Storm. I mean, like, this show was absolutely stacked with talent. So... This is what I'm gonna say, because first of all, the last thing I want is anybody on this show coming after me, trying to beat me up, because they probably could. <laughs> though, it would, though, though I would give you run for your money even today. But all the wrestlers on the show are super talented. I think what, what you guys are gonna notice as we, aside from, I'm not gonna, I'm sorry, but I don't think Slide Boogie and his partner belonged on this show. Nor do I think they, they should have been someone that won, but we'll get to that in a minute. It goes down to the way the show is booked, the pacing, like, like, this is where we're gonna say we have a problem. And, and I think all three of us will agree on this, and I bet you our whole chat room agrees it's the same thing, is that you've got all this talent, you've got this great production, you've got a beautiful ring, and I, it's just a head scratcher as to what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I think that that's where we're going to, where I think all of us are going to agree and kind of scratch our heads and go, with all this talent, you know, honestly, like Devin, keep it simple. Just keep it simple. You know, like, like, just, just keep it simple, you know, and, and with all the finishes that I've seen with the NWA and the power and all that since they've been back, if there's ever a time to have one of those 
the law finishes where everybody looks like they're having a conference at the end, this was that match. You know? This was that match. Because you don't need, like, like, you don't need a pinfall to get over what you're trying to get over in this match. Because you need the end. And again, I, I was a little critical of Perro, but honestly, like, I want to see more of that team. I just want to see Perro a little more vicious, but that's, you know, not the worst, the, not a big thing. I, I just, you need the end in your show to, to have some, carry some weight because they're a legitimate tag team and whatever they're doing lends credibility to your entire program. So again, I think you're going to find a theme throughout tonight that we were, if we're unhappy with anything, it's not the talent, it's not the production, it's the booking crew and what they're doing. Uh, and, and I'm just not, uh, again, the reason we have a term in entertainment called foreshadowing is because we actually want to know where you're going and what you're doing. It's actually important to tell us what you're going to do before you do it. Not everything look like it's thrown together in a surprise. Anyways. We can move on or we can camp here. I'm good either way. Well, so let's move on because uh, we like to keep the show about an hour and we're already like... Uh, 30 minutes into it, we still got some more to talk about. There was the uh, the interview with the tag team champions. Um, I do want to address that because that was a little confusing to me as well because last week we had that spot where Aaron Stevens with Kratos. Kratos is just keeping his mouth zipped shut. Um, we had a, we, we, we had a Sal Renaro, the kid, show up and ask for that tag title match. And Aaron Stevens more or less obliged a week ago but then last or on Tuesday night, when uh, Sal Renaro came out asking for the title, we see a very different Aaron Stevens than that's been portrayed the last month, right? Because ever since he got that world title shot and, and he was turning over a new leaf in the memory of Joseph Hudson, he was going to be a new a new guy. But we saw some visions, some some remnants of that old Aaron Stevens. Who was like, well, yeah, you're going to get a title shot, but you don't even have a partner. And it was very condescending, very heelish, and it wasn't like this baby face that they've been trying to like push at us. And, and what did you think, DK? I mean, did you feel like this perhaps was a slip in character, or, or what was going on? Well, I don't know. To me, it made him the baby face, because Renaro's the heel. Okay. Because he's this goofball... And I'm using heel and face based on who I'd want to cheer for. But Sal's coming out in this goofball character that I don't particularly want to see. He's challenging for a tag team title, even though he doesn't have a partner. It doesn't make sense. I mean, our world tag team champions are in a storyline viewed with one small Prince Pigtail guy, as somebody pointed out, and uh, what? Why? Why do I care? He's not coming across as a sympathetic underdog character. Of oh, me and my partner Jimmy here. We you know we we just want a chance to prove ourselves. We want to work with the best. He's out there quoting songs with phone numbers, uh, giving the old WWE or WCW 900 number, I don't know what, which one. <laughs> and it's, I mean... 900, 909, 9900. Mean Gene Oakland. 
I didn't, I mean, I, I wanted Stevens to be snarky with him. I would have been snarky with him. We know Kevin would have just brought, well, walked over and slapped him in the face. Well, DK, you're a heel, though. No. <laughs> misunder- I am a misunderstood fan because I only want the best. Just to kind of, I didn't get my chance to do the spiel, but yeah, like, you know, the other thing, uh, Look, I can't fanboy and say, oh, it's great just because it's NWA. Yeah, I'm only buying these things because it's the NWA and I support it. But I can't just say it's great. I want the NWA better. I want the NWA audience to grow. And you see, and what I'm saying is that the current product that they put out these last three weeks is going to help them grow. And in my view, okay. And yeah, I didn't get it. I I prefer Stevens has been a face, and he's been a successful face, still in kind of a snarky character type thing. I don't know if he is or not. I don't know if he and Kratos have patched things up, you know, kissed and gone out to dinner or whatever. Uh, hopefully, though, if they were doing that storyline, they'll drop it. And if he returns to being a heel, I'm I'm good with it. He's an outstanding heel. It's just I don't get the storyline. I don't care about this storyline. Uh, get the other guy a partner. Let them be crushed in about seventy-two seconds, and then move on to something else. Because what I really want to talk about is the Thunder Rosa uh, Camille confrontation or black thereof. So Kevin, what do you think about the tag team champions? Uh, I don't. I don't have to. We don't have to belabor the point. I, I think you're right. I think both of you guys are right. It's a little confusing. And again, I think I think that these storylines have to be a little have to be, have a little more foreshadowing and be a little more telling of what they're doing so that we can actually follow along. Because look, I I did this for 15 years. And there's a difference between good mystery, where I'm like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't wait to find out. And then, what are they doing? Is this this? I don't even follow this. So that's kind of a lot of what we're getting right now. And man, bring back the old Aaron Stevens. Like, please, it's so he's so strong on the show like that, and and he won me over like that. Like, I wasn't sold on him really. And then, man, he started putting the E on. He started, I mean, it was just a real good heel. And I really, I really, I really miss it. So you can move on as far as I'm concerned. So that brings us to, of course, um, the Melina, excuse me, the Thunder Rosa promo as she was going off on, uh, you know, first screaming at Camille, which didn't really lead to anything. And I, again, that altercation left me scratching my head because why come out there? Thunder Rosa's connection to the end had nothing. There's no connection there. Why are you trying to to make something happen? And then nothing happened. Then she goes to the announce booth and they start talking to, uh, you know, uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Davis and uh, then Taryn Terrell comes out and then Melina comes out. You know, DK, I know you have a take you want to share on that why don't you tell us what you were thinking? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it, it confused me as much as the tag team match did. Uh, not so much that Thunder Rosa came out, 
after the last two weeks of being, you know, spirit hacked to death, you kind of half expect her to, uh, you know, come out and be confrontational. But why is Camille, the baddest woman on the planet, who speared Tim Storm and other guys, hiding behind uh, Vladimir and Masters? I mean, that didn't make sense at all to me. It, it, it only would have worked to me if somebody had come up behind Camille then at that point. But that didn't happen either. So, it's the, you know, we know Camille's not a big talker, but, I mean, to me, it seemed like it would have made more sense for Vladimir and, and Adonis or Masters or Full Nelson guy to, you know, back away, step aside, say, hey, you want to take her? You can go ahead and try. Because she's already cut you in half three times. Well, and, 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 go ahead. Well, and then just to get to the podium part, and I'll kind of wrap my entire thoughts on this segment. So then she gets to the podium, she's still yelling at them, but now we're not seeing what's going on in the ring anymore. And then they go away, and they come back, and she's still yelling half English, half Spanish. I wasn't really sure what she was saying. Uh, Taryn Terrell comes out as a bubble-headed blonde. But you you liked her because she kind of looked like a, a Alexa Bliss. Come on. No. I like Alexa Bliss. I did not... I did not like I did not like this presentation of Taryn Terrell and uh, I, I I don't I, it didn't fit with the rest of the thing and the Melina comes out and so we're all wondering is you know Thunder Rosa doesn't look happy to see her is she with Thunder Rosa are we just waiting on the turn because uh, you know right now if I had to guess why is there a zombie running across the screen I loved um, it. Right now, if I just had to guess, I would say we're more likely to end up with Melina uh, Terrell as a team. I mean, just based on the way wrestling works, you know. So, hey, you know, somebody throw me the curveball. I'd like to be proven wrong on that. So, I mean, those are my thoughts on just that whole segment here. I, I, I agree with both of you guys. Like, I feel like the... Uh, this didn't accomplish what I think they wanted it to. And if you wanted to bring Thunder Rosa out so that she could be interrupted by Melina and Taryn Terrell, they, they could have done that completely divorced from the previous match. There didn't need to be Thunder Rosa chirping at uh, at, at Camille. And if, the, if, I don't know, if somebody comes and beats me up in the end of my match the week before and then I come out during their match, I'm going to go after him. Kev, what? I mean, you tell me. You've been in this ring before. Well, I think, I think, okay, so, newsflash, it's professional wrestling. <laughs> it's a work. Ring, ring, brother. We are, tell, we're, we are telling stories, okay, and good storytelling is like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go over there. Now, come follow me over there. That's just simple, you know, and, and, and. You ever, you ever had a conversation where you're thinking something, but what you're thinking is not actually coming out the way you want it to come out? See, this is what I think is going on is, is they think that we know what's going on more than we actually do. And I, I, I don't think we quite know what's going on 
like that they want us to, and I think they need to to reel in some of the complicatedness of the stories and really just get back to really just basics. Because like we said, like I said early on, we all agree the talent is not the issue. And you just gotta let the talent go out there and be the talent. And right now I feel like you're you're jumbling it all up and you're you're really limiting what the talent can do with way too much um, extra stuff. And I feel like there might be a little sound going on in the background. Is anybody else hearing that? Or is it just me? Just you. And then, like, our, our, just to jump onto our, our chat room, too, you know, it's like the writers, the stories, the less writing, all that's Devin. Um, you know, I, I, I think so. I, I just think we need to they just reel it back in a little bit. A little more wrestling in the matches and less storytelling, like simple storytelling. Um, would more really tag and tag teams. Yeah, and just will go a long way. So, I I think we're about to get to the segment of the show where let let's try our best not to to just we're gonna state the obvious. I think everybody's gonna think what we think. I don't feel like we're gonna have to just kick the dead horse. But Jay, why don't you go ahead and uh, lead us into the segment of the show? might be one of the most disappointing segments of NWA Towers um, well, short you're not um, you're not talking about the Murdoch promo right because <laughs> we had the Murdoch promo and just real quick because I'm trying to keep this chronologically in order and I don't want DKM to call me out for not following chronological order again um, we got the Murdoch promo and I don't know about you guys but I feel like He's more upset with Aldous than he is with Adonis. Did you guys get that feeling? Say that again? He's more upset with the world's heavyweight champion than he is with the man that beat him for the national title. Might be because that's who he might be fighting getting to coming up soon. I, I, I mean, I, I saw this in the chat room uh, uh, on Tuesday when we did the pre-party, and somebody acknowledged that you know, when James Storm lost the national title, that's when they projected him forward to challenge for the World's Heavyweight Championship. And I feel like that might be something that they're gearing up towards. And without a true number one contender for the 10 pounds of gold and without an established top baby face, that I think by um, by default that might fall to Trevor Murdoch, which I, I, I don't necessarily hate. I just wish they had more time to build him up as a real challenge. Uh, Kevin, what did you think about that? You know, I, I just as long as I get a healthy Murdoch, um, I'm okay with it. I don't want to see the Murdoch with his neck brace on, and his ribs bandaged, and his headband on, and all that. Um, it, look, that's fine every now and then, but it's a little overplayed, a little played out. I want to see a good heavyweight championship match. And, you know, let's be careful what we wish for, Jay, because when they try to build stuff and everything, we see what they do with it. So, you know, I might, I might just be happy with a short build and a good match. I'll be happy with that and some kind of long build and then a match we never get. <laughs> Eli Drake. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that good point. DK, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Are you feeling like us? Uh, basically, I wasn't 
over or under impressed with the interview itself. Uh, he had the neck brace. Hopefully, it'll disappear here soon. Even if he has to take a couple weeks off. Of I, mean, I mean, he was he was yelling and screaming like like he didn't have a neck problem. So I mean, he should be close to recovery after that. Yeah. So you know, let's. Do, yeah, they are using this as a gateway to put him in against all those. And again, I think this is where we get into the you know keep it simple, stupid. Is that we've already seen that all this and Murdoch can have a good match. They had a good match on one episode prior to the pandemic, so we know the two of them can put on a good match. So all this is the world champion, and you don't really need much more storyline as to why you want to challenge him. You know, like sometimes people go, oh, well, what's the story? Why is so-and-so fighting the world champion? Oh, because he wants to be world champion. You know, he, he doesn't have to. The world champion doesn't have to insult your mother for you to want to fight him. <laughs> you, you want to fight him so that you can be world champion. And so, hey, as Kevin says, if we get to see a healthy Murdoch, if we get rid of all the neck braces and tapes and injuries and we go, hey, he's taking two weeks off and he's gotten better and, you know, he's currently on morphine or something, so he doesn't really feel any pain. Uh, then I want to see the two of them put on good matches. Matches. I mean, I want reasons to watch. I, I don't want a one and done. Or there's just a clean finish and everybody said everybody goes, Oh, well, that was a great match. I want I wanna see a storytelling in the ring. Right? That's what wrestling is. Storytelling in the ring. And then what you can't tell in the ring, you tell outside of it. And so I mean, Jay, isn't that the way it should work? I mean I agree hundred percent. The remember the storylines are to help push matches. But some matches don't need the, that push. A title match doesn't, like like you said, doesn't need all that extra baggage or all that extra dialogue. You have the world title. That means you make the most money. That means you get the most celebrity. That means you are the star of the show. There's no other reason for me to challenge for you, that title. Simply put that you have something I want, period. And, and anything more than that just seems silly. You know, when, when Kevin was the World Junior Heavyweight Champion, Chase Owens didn't come after Kevin because Kevin had a better-looking cape than Chase Owens it, or, or anything ridiculous. It was because he held the title and that Chase Owens thought he was the best and Kevin knew he was the best, and that's why they fought over the title. Nothing more than that. Nothing more Nothing more was needed than that. So I, I think it's just... Stuff like this is where we say the NWA gets a little convoluted. We didn't need this storyline to build up to it. I think, in my personal opinion, that if Adonis would have beat Trevor Murdoch cleanly and and Murdoch went through that process of winning matches again and getting back into top ten contendership, that would have done more to build up to the to a match with he and Aldis than than all this other stuff that I don't feel is really necessary. But then again, I also I, I do want to say this. I know that they're only week three of television, and I know that the plan is that they're going to be going to pay-per-view at some point. They need to establish heels and faces and challengers and champions 
so that as they move forward, they can move forward in the right direction. It's just, I don't necessarily agree with the direction that they're moving forward to. So, with... Well, I, I think, I think and, and I want to piggyback off on that real, with a quick statement, and then you take a, take a sentence in deep waters. Um, you have the national championship, you have the television championship, you have the heavyweight championship, you have the tag team championship. There's, there's your four storylines right there in the women's championship. You got four storylines right there. Everybody's chasing the champions. There's nothing actually wrong with with Murdoch losing the national title but still being the number one contender. There's nothing wrong with that because he was the national champion for a while, which makes him the number one contender to some extent. So if he loses the belt, then he still has claim to be the number one contender. He's already, you know, he's been champion. That, that's just kind of how it works. Um, so I, I'm with you guys. Like, listen, if the stories are just about winning championships, <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's a sport. I mean, it, that's okay. So, anyways, that's my, that's it. All I got. So then that takes us to probably the most disappointing match in power history. I'm just going to say it like that because there is no reason on God's green earth that you put a tag team, a tag team like War Kings, who this, someone tried to tell me, well, you know, the modern NWA fan doesn't know who this tag team is. And I say BS, man, because those guys, right, they, they were part of Crockett Cup 2019. Are you telling me that this fan, this fan base, the NWA power fan base, wasn't there for Crockett Cup 2019? Before Crockett Cup 2019, they were also a part of the uh, the New Year's show that they did with Tried and True Pro Wrestling. That's where James Storm first challenged for the 10 pounds of gold. You tell me fans don't remember that? They were at the 70th anniversary show. These This tag team has appeared three times for the NWA. Three times. So I know they're not as solidified names like the Wild Card or the Rock and Roll Express because they ate so much of that time on power. But this tag team isn't new to NWA fans. It's not new to modern NWA fans. If you're telling me that you can't book them as a tag team because the power audience doesn't know them, well, then educate them. They were on three of your pay-per-views for crying out loud. More than that, this tag team could be your Legion of Doom. I mean, they literally used to come to the ring with Road Warrior Animal. And you want to solidify your tag team division. You bring in a group like Odinson and Paro. You bring in uh, the War Kings, uh, Crimson and Dane. I, I mean, those two teams right there. And then you put uh, you have Stevens and Kratos. And you put in uh, uh, Tom Latimer and Chris Adonis. That's four really good tag teams that you could build something with. And you could do something with. And, and they... They missed the ball completely. Not only did this tag team lose the match, they looked terrible in losing the match, and they lost it to to Slice Boogie, who, again, tons of potential I see in this kid, but he's still a kid. Tons of potential I see in him, but he's still green. And and Mims, and I love Mims. Mims is a, uh, was one of the uh, enhancement talents for the first two seasons of Power and the transformation that he's made. I'm glad to see him in the ring. I'm glad to see him a part of the NWA still. I do not need to see him rolling up Crimson for a victory. I think that was an absolute joke. I think it was terrible booking. I think 
I have no idea what the NWA is trying to do by bringing an established tag team and have them do the job to two guys who aren't even going to be a tag team going forward. Furthermore, you took the former world's heavyweight champion, a man who held the grand slam of titles. He held the tag titles in Japan with Rob Conway. He is a former world's heavyweight champion, a former national champion, a former North American champion, and he went down for 10, 15 minutes on a, on a bump on the ring apron? And furthermore, no referee came out to check on him the entire time? Not only is that just bad booking, that's just, that's just stupid. That's the worst thing I've seen in NWA power history. And I, look, I, I'm an apologist for the NWA, and I love Jack Stain. But what the hell are you doing with that guy leaving him on the floor for 15 minutes while Crimson does a two-on-one match? It didn't make sense then. On rewatching it, it just made me angrier. What the hell, Kevin? Try to explain this to me. Make, make it make it make sense. There's there's really nothing you can say about it. Again, I, I go back to my point at the beginning of the match. You know, I mean, the beginning of the show that there's there's a ton of talent on the show minus Mims and Slice Boogie. I felt like they were a huge step down. Um, from all the rest of the talent on the card for the for the evening, and I, I I I'm at a loss for words because this is twice now that they've jobbed out the workings. They did it. They did it in that four way match too. They brought them out like like we didn't know they were a team or something. Um, Crimson is freaking awesome. I mean, Jax Dane is obviously a personal friend, and it's hard not to cheer on your friends, but I mean, Jax Dane, like you said, is as decorated as anybody in the modern era of the NWA. And they were, they came out with animals for crying out loud. Um, I, 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 I think they're teasing a breakup or something of that nature. And, you know, it's kind of funny because there's so many similarities between the teams like the, these four teams that you're talking about that we saw on the show tonight um, or the other night uh, with obviously the War Kings with some of their allusions to the Road Warriors. I think with the end, you have some allusions to possibly like a demolition type team. Uh, you have you have Chris Masters and I don't care. I'll call him whatever. And Latimer <laughs> looking more like, you know, kind of like your heel work rate type team. Maybe, uh, you know, similar to like, a, and I'm using the same era, like the Brain Busters or something of that nature with maybe less technical savvy. Um, and then you've got, um, you know, Aaron Stevens and Kratos similar to maybe like, um, you know, IRS or something like that. I, I'm just throwing names out there. <laughs> but you've got, you know, money you've got, or the, what is it, Money Money Inc. or something. Yeah. You know, but you've got teams with personality and, and talent and ability and history together. And you know, not even count. I know that I know that Latimer and uh, and Masters don't have history together, but again, two talented guys together, you know, makes a great team. And so, I, again, I, I look at the teams that they've got, and I just think that you know, man, like we can just have matches, like just good, just have good matches. <laughs> some basic, you know, we're all chasing the tag champions. We're all trying to win. Um, you know, and we do a little roundabout, and you know, eventually one team gets the upper hand, and then 
you 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 keep it, you know, you make it the next, the other teams fight for the number one contendership, while the champions fight the their, their current number one contenders. I mean, uh, it's just not that hard. <laughs> so yeah, I I I I just don't want to be labor on this because I think we all know it was bad, and it it. Again, these are the you have to if you're gonna do something like this, it's gonna be confusing. Um, it, you gotta or it's gonna be like this. You gotta tell us where you're going. Like you don't have to tell us exactly the end, but but you gotta leave us some breadcrumbs, like some something to say. Okay, this is why this is happening or something, because you're not gonna just tell the whole story in one night. But you do need to tell part of the story. You don't just go. You know. You don't. You don't start a once upon a time dot 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 and then you know 35 pages later you know you write the second sentence you know I, I mean you you got to give us something to tell us why this is happening because it makes me it doesn't it's, it's not something that makes me want to tune in to see what happens next it makes me nervous to see what's going to happen next like what kind of crap is going to happen next not like oh man i can't wait to find out what happens between jacks dane and crimson so maybe the team does go through a a, a little bit of a thing but if this is how the thing is supposed to happen, I'm not sure, you know, it doesn't tell me enough. I need to know, like, again, don't tell me the end, but tell me where we're going. Tell me what's going on. Like, give me something. Because it, it again, it's storytelling. It's a work. Like, it's not supposed to be 90% mystery. It's supposed to be like 10% mystery. And the 10% is what we're chasing at. And so, not the other way around. Now we don't know what to chase after. We're just, what, what the heck? I, what, huh, huh? What's going on here? You know. So, that's all I got. D DK, can I say something real quick? I know you you have something to say. I just want to say something real quick because, thank you. I have to say this because on Instagram, and some of you guys follow us on Instagram, that's at the Alliance blog on Instagram. I did a survey. It was a, a scientific survey. I, I put up on our Instagram stories a picture of the workings, Crimson and Jack Stain, and I, I asked the poll question. Next NWA Tag Team Champions? Question mark. That was it. I didn't say when they're going to win it. I didn't say how they're going to win it. I just said... Will they be the next NWA Tag Team Champions? And 70 people saw that story. And 81% of the people that voted said yes. The War Kings are going to be the next NWA Tag Team Champions. I don't know if I put that survey up today. If the, that audience would still react the same way. DK, go ahead. I'm scared to get started because I don't know all the stuff. I'm going to try and do this as briefly as I can. What the heck? I'm about to pay NWA bookers, booking committee, talent people, whatever, the absolute worst insult I possibly can. But did you freaking hire Vince McMahon to book this show? He loves to split up tag teams. And this is what caused me when Jay was putting his rose-colored glasses on with the first tag team match to say, no, I can't do that because I know this was coming. Yes, you can look at Thomas Vladimir and 
uh, Adonis and go, they're big, strong guys. They could make a formal tag team. You know, they could, they would be competitive with, you know, the end. They still lose, but they would at least be competitive. This match should, you know, I say Camille when she comes out should have 90 second matches. If it's 91 seconds, it's too long. This match is one of those matches. Hey, I like Slice Boogie, except for his name, from what I saw of him when he was on Primetime Live. Why are they using him like he is the hottest young talent on the planet? And more importantly, if you're choosing to use him for that, why didn't he get the win? Mims? A guy who was just destroyed? A guy who's been enhancement talent up until this point. Not that I have anything against enhancement talent. Yes, there are times they do need to that they can move up. But I mean, Jack Stane, a man who I've seen get smashed in the head with chairs and barely burnt, takes one of the worst-looking bumps I've ever seen to hit his head on the hardest part of the ring, the ring apron, and he falls on the ground. And he's out. And he stays on his back for a few minutes and he rolls over on his stomach. I guess it's more comfortable or something like that for his nap. And he's out. Nobody's checking on him. Crimson should have been able to demolish the two guys in the ring in about a minute just by himself. And so the only luck on, if any of you watched NXT last night in the whatever gauntlet match wasn't a real gauntlet match but they had last night for the challenger to the North American title uh, Bronson Reed took the exact same bump and he took like three uh, three steps like a drunk man and that was it and I was supposed to buy that Jack Stane's been knocked out for five minutes or longer the only logical thing I can come up with is that Jack Stane did it on purpose that he didn't want to be in the match. He wanted Crimson to get beat up. And so he on purpose decided to lay that. It's the only thing I can come up with that makes even the slightest bit of wrestling sense. And I'm stretching for that. Right. And, and I don't even think that's a good story, breaking up one of your best teams when the division is fairly light. So it's a terrible that, deal. That, yeah, that part doesn't make sense to me, but that that's the only thing that looks believable to me. Um, is that that's it. That's all. I can't imagine. Like just think about it. We talked about WWE or think about NXT, something of that nature. Or AEW. Can you imagine? Can you imagine one of those like local kind of jobber teams like beating like one of their top tag teams on TV. Like, can you even imagine that? Don't you remember like, when the Mobile beat the Road Warriors? I, I don't, I mean, you could, you could still, here's the other part. You could still press, you could still progress this storyline and not have Crimson get pinned by, by, no offense to men, but just, it, it just, it, it just, I understand it. I, I, I'm okay moving on because it just is one of the most forgettable but unforgettable embarrassing scenes. Uh, 
have seen since I've watched been watching the NWA match. Probably the most, probably the low light of the of the of the power era, in my opinion. I would like to just touch on this real quick before we move on. Um, I see a lot of people uh, commenting on Slice Boogie and his gear and all that. Look, Slice Boogie is not the problem. He's an up-and-comer. I think he has a lot of potential. I don't have a problem with him. And Mims, I actually really like Mims, and I hope down the road they can do something more with Mims than just the enhancement role that he has. He, he does have a certain likability. Those those Atlanta fans, when they were fans in the attendance, really enjoyed him. He's not the problem. It's the booking. It's 100% the booking. This was not good. I don't know how anyone could spin this as anything positive. It made the tag team division look weak. And on a night... Look, I, look I'll, I'll play... I'll play... I'll play cards... I could go for the first match. I could I could be okay with that. I can convince myself that's fine. But this match, no. This was awful. This was terrible. I don't know whose booking idea it was, but it was bad. So let's get to something that wasn't so bad. Let's get to something that was actually pretty good and definitely the highlight of this episode. Maybe the highlight of power so far in this season. And that's our boy, the people's champion. Yeah, I'm calling him that. The television champion, the Pope, Elijah Burke, taking on Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser. I thought this was a phenomenal match. I know it was short. I'm not a big fan of the six minutes and five seconds, especially in the main event. But uh, the match told the story. It was two good wrestling talents in the ring. They looked good. It felt good. It, it, It cleansed my palate of such a horrible book match before. DK, what were your thoughts? Fred Rosser, Elijah Burke, TV title. Well, I only have one complaint. It doesn't have anything to do with the match. But the NWA needs to be a little more consistent when they're announcing the guys, especially <laughs> their wives. Uh, Pope went from 229 to 191 in the course of uh, two episodes. And Rosser went from 220 up to 239. And they were both about the same size, so... You know, I'm a big believer in using real weights. I, I know weights can work forever, but you know, if, if you're not, if you're going to work on them, at least be consistent. That's that. That's my only complaint. And it, that has nothing to do with the match itself. I enjoyed the match. I like watching these two. I mean, I can nitpick it. I can nitpick every match out there. Uh, but. If you just sit back as a fan and you just want to watch some good old wrestling, hey, you know, it did it for me. I liked the Pope. I thought the Pope did a good job. I thought there was good, uh, you know, subtle heel work by Rosser. You know, it it entertained me. I I do hate the 605 time limit also. It should have been at least 10. And, uh, I, I mean, Look, it wasn't the greatest match ever, but it's certainly been one of the better matches they've put on the last three weeks. Both guys are talented. And most importantly, when Tyrus appeared at the end, he didn't get in the ring. So, you know, and I didn't tear off the idle screen. So, I mean, I'm not going to complain. I don't really have any complaints about the match. I was entertained. Kevin? I, I have to agree. You know the first, the first I would say three minutes of the match, 
roughly? I mean, guys, that Elijah Burke had a plan. And I could tell, like, he had a plan. Holy moly! A wrestler goes out there and looks like he knows what he wants to do. And he's trying to execute on that plan. Man, I mean, it shouldn't be a shocker. Um, it shouldn't be rare. It should be every single match should have something of that nature to it. If you can tell that that Elijah Bird is putting hope, is putting more into this than everybody else on every level. You can tell he's working more on his promos. You can tell he's working more on his in-ring stuff. And he's in shape. Um, and so I pass off to him because he is taking this uh, platform that he's being given, and I feel like he's been maximizing it. And kind of like uh, an announcer that used to be on this show who was really, really impressive, uh, who's now collecting a, probably a bigger paycheck than he was with the NWA uh, over this WrestleMania weekend. Um you know, this could be a, a, a springboard for him uh, to use a wrestling term uh, because, man, like, his promos, he knows what he wants to say when he goes out there, and I think that's so important. And his ring style has improved so much over the last few matches, and to see him go out there and, and, and to exhibit, you know, modern style wrestling in an old style show um, and, and it looked like he knows what he's out there trying to do. I, I don't know. I, I, I think he really made Rosser look uh, unprepared for him. And I don't mean that Rosser's not in shape. I don't mean he can't work. I'm not. It's not a criticism on him. It's a, it's a Elijah Burke came out there more ready to wrestle than he did. And it, and it showed. Um, Rosser, I think, is... Uh, you know, when you grab there with a guy like Burke, that's got so much flair and so much pizzazz and so much razzle dazzle, it's amazing. It's amazing how like it, it can really make you look like you're kind of hood. <laughs> uh, but again, you know, <laughs> but it, it, it's just it's just hey, you know, this is something I and I would say this to Fred if he ever ever cared for my opinion. I'll say, hey man, you got you got to set the game up, and uh, that's just it. Uh, I really would like to see the rest of the, the roster take this type of initiative and really grab a hold of their character, grab a hold of what they're doing, and realize that this opportunity, um, that this is a big opportunity. So I, I was pleased to see it. It was a fun match to watch. I'm with the guys in the chat. Give me 10 05, not 6 05. Uh, I do want to bring up one thing here that just to go on the whole as we uh, not only was the main event have a short time limit but the show was short and you know we brought up before that we're having to pay for this and even if it's not a lot we're still paying and so I, I didn't think that was a wise move to have a short show I they, in the previous seasons, they were often inconsistent in how long the shows would go. Some would go close to an hour. I think one actually went an hour and five minutes. Some would go 
you know, as short as 40, which I think is closer to what this one was at. And it's like, you know, yes, you're free to not be in the bounds of normal TV things. Uh, stick to a one hour time. Plan on. Lame excuse, Devin, yeah. to, to cut your show off early. Yeah. Plan on putting out an hour of TV. And I, I, I feel like that was another bad call overall on the show. Uh, Jay, did you ever comment on the match? I'm sorry, I probably did you off. No, uh, I thought the match was great. Again, this is, I saw Terry McDermott post here on the screen, like, you know, this is what we pay for. This is what I wanted with the NWA. You know, I don't, I don't need Nick Aldis to cut a promo on every episode. I don't. I don't need tag matches with silly booking. But what I'm looking for is, is matches that go out there and, and do what they're supposed to do. And, and, and to Kevin's point, yeah, the Pope has gotten real good. And, and, you know, one of the selling points that the NWA, I think, uses, because if you look at their track record, a guy like Eddie Kingston, who was very well known on the independent circuit before arriving in the NWA, never had a big-time contract until after his time with the NWA. You know, Ricky Starks. We love Ricky Starks. Kevin, you have a personal relationship with Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks doesn't sign a big-time contract without going through the NWA. I'm not saying that the NWA is is a path paved to gold to a big time contract, but if you put in the work in the NWA, it's going to pay off. Whether it be in the NWA or the WWE, like with with you know LA Knight or the the above mentioned guys that are now working with uh, with uh, AEW. So when you see a guy like the Pope, who his run in WWE is mostly forgettable, you know he never held a WWE title. And when he was in Impact, he, he wasn't even wrestling. He was an announcer. You know, really, the gut, the, the, the crux of his work was done in Ohio Valley. That's where he won championships. So for him to be in the NWA and carrying a prestigious title like the television title and to have these money, money promos every time he comes out there, he looks good, he sounds good, and quite honestly, to me, he's the only guy that should be challenging Nick Aldis for the 10 pounds of gold. With all that being said, I love Fred Rosser. I really hope Fred Rosser sticks around. I hope Fred Rosser is the next TV champion when in my in my in my mind, you know, we're going to have this TV champion go seven matches and cash in on Aldis. I hope Rosser's the next guy to hold the TV title because I think Rosser's an absolute gem. No, he is not the pope. Nope, he's not. But he's a hell of a good hand. And, and putting him in the ring with guys like Chris Adonis or putting him in the ring with guys like Crimson, if that's what happens, or, or you know, Paro. I, I mean, I think he could hold his own, and I think he'd be really good. So, yeah, this match was great. This is what I want to see out of the NWA. More of this, please. But, but not just the main event. Let's put this on every match. Something close. But, but I want to – let me break in there, Jay. Sure. This is, this is something, too, though. And, and um, we kind of talked a little bit off air about my time with uh, Championship Wrestling of Hollywood. And, or, or, see that, yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Dave Marquez's promotion in, in uh, California. And there were times, you know, like, where they would ask me to do things on TV, and it wasn't just like, Kevin, go do this. Okay. You know, there, there's, there, you, you negotiate, you talk, you, you have conversations. 
And so I know that these wrestlers on these show on this show have have to have a little bit of have a, have to have some if you know what I mean and say, hey, look, you're not using me like that. Um, the other side of it, the reason Elijah Burke or or uh, Pope and Fred Rosser's match was good is because of Elijah Burke and Fred Rosser. There was thought put into this match. They had a plan. Elijah definitely had a plan. And what I noticed on the other two matches is there was a lot of what, what I would call like uh, impromptu type stuff. Uh, what we call calling it on the fly. Um, hey, look. I, I, I'm all about it. Like I, I'm all about it. I understand that, that everything can't be choreographed, so to speak. But see, there's a difference between plotting every single move and having a plan, having an idea of what you're going to do out there, not just punching and stomping and shooting them off and doing a couple moves. But having a plan, like having an idea, having a direction, and, and putting on a good match in terms of work rate, again, that part I will put on the wrestlers, is that the talent was out there, maybe the booking was a little goofy, but... Pope and Roster went out there because honestly, 605 is a little goofy. It's not the best booking in the world. I mean, it should have been 10 minutes. But they, in six minutes, made something out of it. So again, um, there were work rate issues all throughout the matches this this on this show. Not just the booking. And there were uh, when I and I consider promos work rate too. Uh, having a plan on what you're going to say. There were some of those issues too. So I think a little bit of this, and this is my challenge to any wrestler that might actually hear me. I doubt it, but who cares? Um, you know, have a better plan. Like think a little bit more about what you what you're going to do when you go out there. Don't just wing it, because you can see the difference in in Pope's approach and other people's approach. Nick Aldis is another great example. He doesn't go out there and not know what he's going to say. Absolutely. So again, these are these are standards that you have to follow, and I I, I would challenge the wrestlers to, to follow those standards, uh, or to step their game up, uh, because no one's out there trying to steal the show. When you when you look at Nick Aldis and Pope, and just how well they are with their promos and how well they speak and how they come out and have their plan. I think the biggest part of that is because they are themselves, maybe turned to versions of themselves, but they're basically themselves. I mean, I don't have any problem buying that the Nick Aldis that's out there talking is probably pretty much the way Nick Aldis is, and I don't have any problem buying that Pope is just an exciting, charismatic guy, and so They have their plans. They have they they have their experience, and they know how to use it. And so, look, I I'll give three pieces of. Today's uh, camera doing it again. I'll give uh, three pieces of constructive criticism for this show. One is do interviews and stop the freaking interruptions. What? 
part of the way these people get over is talking, not by having confrontations. Let everybody give their chance to get over by doing their promo without having somebody else come out and interrupt them. So that so that's my first thing. My second thing is we're looking for alternatives to WWE, AEW, and the like, not an alternative version of those. So, hey, I understand the pandemic's hard. You know what my favorite promotion currently is with this pandemic? Ring of Honor. Because they're putting on some hell of a good wrestling matches. And now they've worked stories into it. They started out with the pure tournament, what we were talking about earlier. A tournament to crown a champion. All these guys were there, and they wanted to win a title. Nobody's calling, you know, the other a mama's boy or whatever. What was the goal? The goal was to, to prove that they were the best pure wrestler in ROH. They told backgrounds. They told stories. They said, why do you want to do it? Maybe even too long. I mean, a few of those but you know they there was a purpose now they got stories back in now you got uh, Taven and you know Vincent and Bennett and some of these storylines in the Roosh with uh, feuding with uh, Brody King that's it almost called him the wrong thing again <laughs> and so uh, you know They've worked these stories back in, and the stories have been logical as they've worked them back in. They went perfectly <coughs> with the idea of kiss. Keep it simple. Stupid. <laughs> and then, I also want people to understand that this isn't just, you know, Devin, you're some old school freak. You just don't like modern wrestling. Look, That's I true. believe that the most talked about match that's going to come out of this WrestleMania week and a half with Walter versus Walter versus Champa last night. There wasn't a clear-cut face. There wasn't a clear-cut heel. There was kind of a, you know, favorite and underdog storyline going on. It was big guy versus smaller guy. It was for a title. I mean, yeah, they had had some interaction. There was a little bit of a story that built up to it. But, you know, for a title. And it was two guys who are presented as badasses. They're different styles, a different build. Walter looks like a 1980 Soviet block era Greco-Roman wrestler. Champa cut as can be. About 90 pounds difference between the guys. Both are presented as badasses. Both of them went in there and knocked the snot out of each other. You could see, you could really see the Waltz on, on Walter, who's a little more pale. When they got a close-up of Champa at the end, you could see his chest was literally swelling in spots and also bruised up. I mean, these guys put on just an excellent modern day hard hitting heavyweight wrestling match and you go look at the polls today on Twitter and 
uh, Instagram and Facebook and everything else. Hey, what was the best match of the night? Oh, it was Walter versus Champa. There weren't 67 dives. Everything they did was believable. And I'll let Kevin try and get a little bit here. Talk about the hand, Kevin. What happened with the hand? Rings up all the way. Well, like, so so many times when you see a match like that. So I watched the match as well. I, I think Walter is the best heavyweight in the world right now. You fight me over it because the guy is as good as it gets. And obviously I'm a huge Tommaso Ciampa fan and have been uh, since his NXT run. But, you know, the, the, the guys had a plan, just like, just like we've been talking about. Like they have both of them had an idea of what they were gonna do when they went out there and they executed it. And so many times you see these matches where the the smaller guy working the big guy, the small guy works the leg. It really throws off the fun that the match can be when you got a guy limping around out there all the time. Um, so well, everyone knows Walter has the most deadly chops in the world. Uh, he'll literally crap and just crush your sternum. And so Tommaso just starts working his hand and in my mind I'm like why didn't I think of that and so to me again I know we're talking about NXT but the idea is we're, we're trying to get you to understand like what a good story is and how you can tell a good story in a match and you know I would say this there are a lot of talented guys in there and, and, and really honestly this is what made Pope's match the best match on the card was he had a plan, he had an idea of what he wanted to do, and he went out there and actually executed. And again, like Devin said, it's believable, and two guys last time went out there and executed. And that's all we're really asking for, is two guys to go out there and execute, and wrestle, and let your talent show out. Um, yeah. That's it. So, I mean, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Of course, this is... I know it sounds negative, guys, but this is honestly a lot of fun for us. We're not negative people. We, Oh, maybe DK is. But Kevin and I are very positive people. And we... Like, look, we do enjoy the NWA. And there's so much potential there to see something good happen. And, you know, we, we, we talk about this because... You know, there's this negative, negative vibe on Twitter and on wrestle social media that if you complain about something, you're being toxic, and that's not what we're doing here. We're not. This isn't a toxic environment. What we're looking to do is hopefully bring attention to areas that we think can be improved. If you, the fans, demand for things to change, things will change. Now, I'm not asking anyone to go out there and email Billy Corgan and say, "Hey, go watch J. Cal's show and hear what they have to say." No, 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 no. But we want to see the change happen, and we want to we want to keep fostering this this relationship with you guys, the NWA fans, and we want to keep talking about how it can be better. Because look, we are only three weeks into this relaunch of the NWA, so if things take time, then okay. And 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 DKM said this last week. We will be the first ones to acknowledge when something was good. We'll be the first ones to celebrate it. And I mean, like the Pope. And and uh, Fred Rosser match, we love that. We want more of that.
Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at the Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at the Alliance Blog. Remember, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.